0: The summaries this week contain three criminal law cases decided by the Arkansas Court of Appeals. In Aikens v. State, 2022, ARC App 161, the Arkansas Court of Appeals addressed a defendant's request to withdraw guilty pleas, which he argued were due to ineffective assistance of counsel. The appellate decision affirmed and is helpful in noting the importance of clarity if a defendant has any questions before pleading guilty. Here, the record belied his new appellate claims. Judge Klappenbach explained, The circuit court entered sentences on each crime to which Aikens pleaded guilty, resulting in a 30-year prison sentence to be followed by a 10-year statutory enhancement for having used a firearm in one of the crimes. Aikens told the circuit court that his attorney had explained to him that the statutorily required 10-year enhancement would follow the 30-year prison term. The circuit court asked if Akins had any questions, and Akins asked if he would have to serve 70% of the 10-year enhancement. The circuit court told Akins that it would be up to the prison officials to determine whether he would become eligible for parole. The sentencing hearing concluded. In late May 2015, before the sentencing orders were filed of record, Akins filed identical motions to withdraw his guilty pleas in every case except 60 CR 11 Aiken cited Arkansas Rule of Criminal Procedure 26.1B1 and 3, contending that he was provided ineffective assistance of counsel, that he entered the guilty pleas without knowledge of the charges, and that his counsel misled him into accepting the guilty pleas by telling them that he would not be sentenced to serve more than 20 years of imprisonment. The Circuit Court denied appellate's motion, and this appeal followed. Now, on appeal, the defendant argued ineffective assistance led to his misguided guilty pleas. The arguments failed. First, the petition to withdraw the pleas itself was lacking by what it did not say. In the instant case, Akins has failed to demonstrate that the withdrawal of his plea is necessary to avoid a manifest injustice. Nowhere in his petition did Aiken state that he would have insisted on going to trial had his counsel adequately and accurately informed him of the consequences of his plea. Appellant's lone assertion was that his counsel misled him or bribed him into pleading guilty by telling him that the judge would not sentence him to more than twenty years. His written plea statements directly contradict any such alleged misleading information. The plea statements which appellate initialed and signed, specifically provide that the judge is not required to carry out any understanding between you, your attorney, and the prosecuting attorney, and that the power of sentencing is with the court only. Appellate affirmed this understanding in open court. We conclude that the circuit court did not abuse its discretion in denying appellate's motions to withdraw his guilty pleas. End of quote. Second, the argument that defendant should have been allowed a hearing was unpersuasive on appeal. Quote, Second, Eakins argues that this appeal must be reversed and remanded so that he can be provided with an evidentiary hearing on his motions to withdraw his guilty pleas. A hearing on a motion to withdraw a, guil- a plea of guilty or nolo contendere is limited to those instances in which the defendant's motion raises substantial issues of law or fact and should be denied when the files and the records conclusively show that the defendant is entitled to no relief. Nowhere in Aikens' motion did he ask for a hearing on his motion to withdraw his guilty pleas. This is an argument raised for the first time on appeal, and is thus not preserved for appellate review. End of quote. Arkansas Rule of Criminal Procedure 26.1, as quoted in the opinion, provides A. A defendant may withdraw his or her plea of guilty or nolo contendere as a matter of right before it has been accepted by the court. A defendant may not withdraw his or her plea of guilty or nolo contendere as a matter of right after it has been accepted by the court. However, before entry of judgment, the court in its discretion may allow the defendant to withdraw his or her plea to correct a manifest injustice if it is fair and just to do so giving due consideration to the reasons advanced by the defendant in support of his or her motion and any prejudice the granting of the motion would cause the prosecution by reason of actions taken in reliance upon the defendant's plea. A plea of guilty or nolo contendere may not be withdrawn under this rule after entry of judgment. b. Withdrawal of a plea of guilty or nolo contendere shall be deemed to be necessary to correct a manifest injustice if the defendant proves to the satisfaction of the court that one, he or she was denied the effective assistance of counsel, three, the plea was involuntary or was entered without knowledge of the nature of the charge or that the sentence imposed could be imposed. End of quote. End of decision. In True Acts v. State 2022, ARC App. 164, The Arkansas Court of Appeals affirmed a conviction of first-degree terroristic threatening, despite arguments of purported error in allowing an amendment of the information from aggravated assault. The change was made at the close of the evidence in the trial itself. The problem for defendant was that the amendment did not change the nature of the offense, and second, defendant did not ask for a continuance. Defendant was acquitted of harassment. Judge Whitaker explained. Harold Truax appeals his Wachita County Circuit Court conviction of first-degree terroristic threatening, claiming that the trial court erred in allowing the state to amend the charging information at the close of the evidence. We find no error and affirm. Truax was originally charged with aggravated assault resulting from an incident with his neighbor, Sarah Robinson Medina. The incident occurred in January 2020, when Truax yelled racial slurs at Medina and tried to run over her adult son, Charles Washington, with his vehicle. Truax proceeded to a bench trial on June 25, 2021. Approximately one week before trial, the state amended the criminal information to add a charge of harassment. At the conclusion of the testimony, the state moved to amend the information to replace the aggravated assault charge with a charge of first-degree terroristic threatening. Defense counsel objected, claiming surprise and trial by ambush. The trial court allowed the amendment over defense counsel's objections, found Truex guilty of terroristic threatening, and sentenced him to two years in a community correction center. Truex was acquitted on the charge of harassment. End of quote. In this case, the amendment did not change the nature of the offense and required elements, so there was no error. Quote, Upon completion of the evidence, the state moved to amend the aggravated assault charge to first-degree terroristic threatening, and the court allowed the amendment over Defense Counsel's objection. Truax claims that the trial court erred in allowing the state to amend the charges because the state's amendment added the element of terrorizing, that this added element is not present in the aggravated assault statute, and that he was then forced to defend an added element with no preparation time, thereby surprising the defense. His argument fails. The state is entitled to amend an information at any time before the case is submitted to the jury, so long as the amendment does not change the nature or degree of the offense charged or create unfair surprise. We conclude it did not. Here, the amendment did not change the nature of the offense charged. The facts, the witnesses, and the evidence for the new charge of first-degree terroristic threatening were identical to the original charge of aggravated assault nor did the amendment change the degree of the offense charged. Both crimes are Class D felonies. Further, the amendment did not create unfair surprise. Truax's defense never changed, as he denied intentionally swerving toward Medina with his vehicle in order to terrorize or assault her. End of quote. Defense counsel argued unfair surprise below, but the problem was counsel did not move for a continuance to meet the new charges. Quote, an appellate must show he was prejudiced by the amendment in order to prevail, and we have previously held that we will not presume prejudice when a defendant fails to move for a continuance. Thus, true acts cannot show prejudice from the court's decision to allow the amendment. End of quote. End of decision. In King v. State 2022, Arc App 168, the Arkansas Court of Appeals, in affirming revocation of suspended imposition of sentence, observed that defendant's failure to challenge alternative grounds was fatal on appeal. While this decision is not significant with any new legal principle, it serves as a reminder of the importance of arguing all grounds upon which a judgment is based. Judge Brown wrote, Appellate Candy King appeals the revocation of her suspended imposition of sentence or SIS in case number 28 CR 16440 for the underlying charge of possession of drug paraphernalia and in case number 28 CR 17794 for the underlying charges of delivery of methamphetamine or cocaine less than 2 grams. She was sentenced to two years SIS in case number 28 CR 16440, and she was sentenced to four years at a regional correction facility in case number 28 CR 17794. She argues on appeal that the circuit court erred in revoking her SIS based on a new drug related charge because appellant's right to confront and cross-examine her accusers was unfairly inhibited when the circuit court allowed the report from the Arkansas Crime Laboratory into evidence over appellant's objection, we affirm. At that time, defense counsel objected to the introduction of the Arkansas State Crime Laboratory's report, stating, I think that this document should be introduced by someone at the crime lab for the positive result. The state contended that the defense had not made the necessary filings to ensure that someone from the crime lab would be present. The circuit court admitted the report over appellate's objection, having found that appellate had failed to meet the 10-day notice requirement to have someone from the crime lab present. Deputy Crocker testified that the baggie contained 0.5 grams of methamphetamine. Both sides then rested. The state argued that the circuit court could also find appellate in violation by being in possession of the drug paraphernalia seized during the february twenty twenty arrest. The defense did not object to this. End of quote. On appeal, the failure to address the alternative basis of the revocation ended the appellate court's consideration because all grounds have to be addressed. Quote On appeal, Appellant argues that the circuit court erred by revoking her SIS because it improperly relied on the report from the crime lab without allowing appellant the opportunity to cross-examine someone about those results. The state contends, and we agree, that we should not reach the merits of this argument. The circuit court revoked appellant's SIS on two independent bases, possession of drug paraphernalia and possession of methamphetamine. When the circuit court makes its decision based on multiple independent grounds, and the appellant fails to attack any independent alternative bases, this court will affirm without addressing the merits. End of quote. End of decision.